0: Revelation 22 that His truth was marching on. Uh, Gary, run me back a couple of slides to that uh, Overcomer song. One more. That's a, that's a scripture out of Revelation right there. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. There was, but there's three things that it says in Revelation. It says this is how they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. By the words of their testimony. And. They loved not their life. Even unto death. That pastor loved not his life even unto death. Fits right in with what that was. That's going to fit in with with the lesson today too. Because it's about overcoming. That's who we want to be in a moment. And it's all about. Loving not your life unto death, but loving God. So go ahead and roll us back up to the other one. And as we get ready to open up the word of God to Revelation chapter 2, that's where we'll be again today on those first seven verses. And let's uh, bow for a moment. I'll let you guys say your silent prayer to prepare your heart and your mind for for the word. And um, then I'll close us out and we'll get rolling. Father, may we open up the word of God today and see what you have for us. You open up the book of Revelation by saying this is what God wanted to present to us about his son to the church, to those who are servants of his. We pray, Father, that we will, as the spirit says in your word, have ears to hear today as we go through your word Pray that your spirit will move upon the hearts of men and women and children so that they will be able to overcome and to eat of the tree of life that's in your garden, the paradise of God. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. One more thing while while you were playing that overcomer song that came to mind. You might not remember this, but I tried, uh, Bobby bought a puppy from me and year and a half, two years ago, when I was in Kairos. And uh, I was selling them to raise money for Kairos to go through that. And whenever we we just connected, and, and I'm a songwriter, he's a songwriter and singer, I can't play, but I bugged you for a couple of months, if you'll remember. I had this vision of trying to do something called worship and the Word. And I wanted you to play and me to teach. And today that dream... I was reminded there came true. We had worship, and now we're getting ready for the word. If you're there in, in Revelation chapter 2, we're going to be right there, but first I've got to tell you about something I heard. <laughs> there's, this, there's this guy, he's, he was about 90 years old, but he still got around good. And it was a beautiful spring morning, and he said, you know what, I'm going to go fishing. I haven't done that for a while, and there's a little pond I know that I can drive right up, and I can walk around it and do it. So he decided to go fishing, and he gets out, baits up his hook, throws out his line, sits down, and all of a sudden, he hears this voice. Over here. I'm over here. He's like, I know I'm getting older, and I'm hearing voices, but this one sounds real. I mean, this one sounds real. And again, it is. I'm over here. So he starts walking. You know, his eyesight's not real good. So all of a sudden it's, stop, stop, don't step on me. And he starts looking around. And there's a frog looking back up at him. And he said, surely that frog's not talking to me. Well, the frog replied back, said, yes, it is me. And if you will kiss me, there's a wonderful woman ready to be revealed out of this and be released. He said, well, I'll be. And he reached down and he picks up that frog Puts it in his pocket and buttons it up. (laughs) From inside the pocket, this voice starts coming out going, Hey, hey, what are you doing? You're supposed to give me a kiss. Don't you want me to be released into a a woman? He he goes, "Uh Uh-uh, honey, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Revelation chapter 2. Made you promise that if the Lord willed, we'd come back to this today. Last week, we we saw in the first part of this that the one who is speaking here is the Lord Jesus Christ. It gives a picture of him, and this picture of him is walking among the candlesticks, his church. He's walking in the, in the midst of it, and he's the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and he's getting ready to speak to what he wants the church at Ephesus to know here. And we noticed that the word for walking... And the word for right hand means power and authority. It means that he is the one who has the power and the authority in his church. And so he has the right because Acts 20 and verse 28 that we read last week said that when he, Paul called for the elders of the church of Ephesus at one time and they came and met him at Miletus and he said to them to take care and to guard, to watch over, to teach the flock which is the church that was purchased by the Son of God, and they're in your care. And so in that right hand of authority is the stars, those who are giving the Word of God to the body of Christ, were showed there in Revelation chapter 1, when it was started out, he explains down in verse 20 that the mystery of the seven stars are the angelos, the messengers to the church. And so that power goes two ways too. Not only does he have the power to do that, but he empowers those stars as well to bring forth his message. And you say, well, how do you get stars out of that? I'm still not convinced. Well, remember Joseph. You remember his dream? He had a dream where the sun, the moon, and 11 what? Stars. what they do? They bowed down to him. But who did those 11 stars represent? The 11 brothers who would become the other ones of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. So they were the leaders of the tribes, the clans that would go forward from that time. They were the stars. So we get all of this analogy in the first part of the verse. And then he gets ready to uh, give us back uh, control. And then we talked about how that they had works and labors and how that that meant that Jesus as God sees everything, has all knowledge and that He knows the service. He knows what you do in the church. And He says the labor, that word was one that actually is like a blow to the body that makes you incapacitated to where you can't work and do anything because of the pain and anguish and the energy that went out from you. So he says, I know your works, I know how hard you've labored to where you can't hardly even make it. But he said, take patience, and that we spent a lot of time with that last week. That word means to bear up under a burden, and as that burden seems like it's going to just weigh you down and take you down, he says, gird up your loins and strengthen yourself back up underneath that burden have patience. Wait on me. I am there to help. What you're going through is something that's necessary, we found out, to build character and structure in your life to prepare you for more things that are going to come in this life. Now, brings us up, and we talked about the golden candlesticks a little bit too, how that that represented the church and that gold was the most valuable thing. And so the church is the most valuable thing in a community because it is what holds the light. The lampstand holds the light. And the light is Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world. So we, as the body of Christ, are the most important thing in a community. Because we bear up the light of Christ. And now, I promised to share something else out of here. And I was trying to pick, because there's several things that we could have done, but I went with verse 7. We're going to talk about a very special promise made to each one of us as the body of Christ, if we overcome. Let's uh, read the first seven verses there of Revelation chapter 2 together. The Word of God says this, To the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things says he, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works. I know your labor and your patience. That you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and they are not. And you have found them liars. And you have persevered and you have patience and have labored for my name's sake. And you have not become weary. But nevertheless, I have this against you. That you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. And do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly. And remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you do have. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes... I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Did you catch that fantastic promise that is made for us there in verse 7? Let's look at it again. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is trying to tell you. I will give to him who overcomes to eat from a tree of life that's in the paradise of God. Now... We've got to develop something around this because I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. I want to take that. How many here today, I don't usually ask this kind of thing, but group participation. How many here today, after hearing that, would like to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God? I'll raise my hand. I want to. I think pretty much everybody would want to. I heard a story one time preacher kept asking that because there's some folks that didn't raise their hand and this one old boy on the front row looked kind of gruff and he finally asked him said don't you want to go to heaven because he kept saying who wants to go to heaven and he didn't raise his hand and he, he finally just couldn't take it no more so just in the middle of it he said hey don't you want to go to heaven he said yeah but I thought you was getting up a busload to go today and I ain't ready yet <laughs> so yeah we all want that though we all want to get there we want this tree of life to eat of that's in the paradise of God the first thing that Jesus says to us here though about this promise is what he says he that has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches do you know that that's a supernatural ear that's a spiritual ear that's not a regular ear it's a spiritual ear hear what the spirit is saying to you This is a different kind of message. When Jesus began teaching in parables, he got into some trouble. There was folks who didn't believe it. They didn't like it. The leaders and the people rebelled against him a little bit. They started saying, he does what he does by the power and the spirit of Beelzebub, the prince of demons. And Jesus said that that was blasphemy to the Holy Spirit, and he began speaking in parables. And his disciples couldn't understand it, and they came to him a little bit later afterwards, and they said, hey boss, um, what's the deal with these parables? We're not really getting it, you know. And he said, there's a reason for it. He said, put your ears on, because it's for spiritual folks. And Jesus said in Mark 4, verse 12, about his parables, so that seeing they might not see and perceive, and at hearing that they may hear but not understand, lest they should turn and have their sins forgiven them. Wow, that's a tough saying, isn't it? Jesus began talking in parables so that there's a group of people that won't be able to hear and turn. You know why? Because they really don't have the desire They want to take his words and twist them and say he has a a demon. So he said, I'm going to teach in a way that those who desire to hear my word... We'll get it because it's spiritually discerned. That's why he told Nicodemus, you must be born again, born of the water and of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that the Word of God is only understood through the Spirit of God, that the carnal man cannot understand the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. So when he starts giving his Word out, if you don't understand it, pray and ask the God Give it to you. That's what he says back in James, I think it is. Pray and ask and he'll give you knowledge and wisdom because it's spiritually discerned. It says there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that they cannot understand it. They will think it's foolishness. The carnal man will. So you got to have spiritual ears on. So that's why I always pray every time for us to put our spiritual ears on as we get ready to hear this. And then we keep on going now in Revelation chapter 2, 7 then. He that has your spiritual ear. Those who desire to understand. Get ready because I'm getting ready to tell you something wonderful. Let's hear what the Spirit says to us. Now we're told of some some things. Some qualifications that's going to get us there. Jesus says in verse 7. To him who overcomes. There you go. That's who it is. He who overcomes will I give to eat. All right. I've got to figure out who an overcomer is. And what does it take to be this overcomer? You know what an overcomer is? It's the word nakao. It's where we get the word Nike. The swoosh. Air Jordan. Why? Because it means victorious. It means to be a conqueror. It means to win the victory. To overcome the opponent. And that's why a sporting goods company took that name. But it's used all throughout the New Testament. And if you'll turn from Revelation chapter 2 here back from Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John. This same John who had the privilege to write Revelation will explain to you who an overcomer is. For in 1 John chapter 5 verses 3 to 5 he says this. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. For whatsoever is born of God... Wow, there's our word. ...overcomes the world. And this is the victory. This is the nakao. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You want to be a victor? You want to overcome... You want to have the right to eat of the tree of life? Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Start walking in His light, we're going to see in a few minutes. But, wait a minute. It's not a one and done. It's not a, okay, I believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and I walk on. Because in James chapter 2 and 19, it also says that the demons believe and tremble, don't they? So there's a different type of belief that goes on with being an overcomer. What's it say there back in verse 3 of 1 John 5? This is how love is expressed to God. That we keep His commandments. And if you love God, He says, My commandments aren't burdensome to you. You're supposed to love God and love His commandments. And then, whatsoever is born of God and loves God and walks in his commandments overcomes the world. Verse 3, we keep them. They're not burdensome. What did Jesus say? It's just a repeat of what John heard when he followed him because Jesus said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then he said, feed my sheep when he took off. Okay, now back to our subject in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. He that's got an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes. Just what John just wrote about. I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Okay, said in the beginning here, who wants to be that overcomer who wants to eat of the tree? Here we go. It's he that believes in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, loves God, and keeps his commandments, walks in him life. Here's one of the parts I was telling you about that we might go into deeper on on a Wednesday night, or I might save it for a Sunday because there's a great tie-in for this type of thing about invitation of Christ. But you know, there's four kinds of trees. There's four categories of trees in Genesis when the world was created. There was some, I'm not going to... I'm going to leave that as a teaser. Maybe Wednesday night we'll find out. But those four categories in creation brought forth afterwards a fifth category of tree. And it's very deep, but it runs completely throughout the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. So come on out Wednesday night. We might talk about that. Okay, but here's the point that we're going to get right now about this overcomer and the tree of life. Here's what I want us to start to see now as we start unfolding this about who's going to partake. Where is the tree of life now? Paradise. That's what it says in verse 7. It's in, which is in the paradise of God. So if it's in the paradise of God, where is it not? Not here. It's not in the Garden of Eden anymore, is it? No. So it's not there. Why? Think about it. Why was man not in the garden? And why was the tree taken out of the garden? Sin, we fell. And all of that relates to not obeying the word of God. Not keeping the commandments. Remember that? Look up there at uh, Genesis 2, 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree... You got every tree here. Of every tree in the garden you may freely eat. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you do, you will surely die. Wow. They only had one command to keep. We've got like 9,072, don't we? I mean, one command and they couldn't do that. It didn't happen. So what happened when man disobeyed the commandment of God? when he did not do what he was supposed to do? Sin entered into the world, and then in Genesis 3:17 up there it says, "Then to Adam, God said, "Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it." First problem. Of not being able to have the tree of life. Listening to somebody else besides God. Listening to anyone else besides God's word is the problem because he tells you what he wants to do, and no one else has the right to oversurp that authority of what the word God says. The word for heated there in that original language carries a fourfold weighting. What it means is, is first of all, you heard. But second of all, listen. Because you can hear background noises. There's all kinds of noises that are going on. But you not only was able to, to lit- hear, but you picked out her voice and listened to it. And then you took what she said over mine. You understood what she said. That's the third one. The fourth one, you allowed her voice to carry more weight than my voice. And you listened to that instead of me. Therefore, he gave a cursing. Not only was, did Adam get a curse, Eve got a curse, the serpent got a curse, and I don't know why, but the ground got cursed as well. I mean, the ground got cursed. And Romans says that it is now moaning every day, waiting for this curse to be lifted from it. But also something else happened. They were ran out of the garden. Look at Genesis 3, verse 22 to 24. You know, it's almost like all of a sudden when man partook of that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and the Lord straightened it out, set everything straight, we see a very quick meeting. This is like we get a little sound bite, the news publication of what happened in the meeting of the Godhead as they analyze this situation. And they said, The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he would put forth his hand, and take also of, here's our subject, the tree of life, And eat and live forever. And then in the original there's that dash. And it's almost like their minds were unwinding. Like seeing in the vision what happens if they would do that. And all of a sudden they snap to it and say that can't happen. I can't allow them to take that tree of life now that they are in this state. So therefore verse 23. The Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken so that he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword that turns every which way to guard the way to the tree of life. Wow. They were what? Expelled. Pushed out. The actual word says that they were driven out. He drove the man and his wife out of the garden, so that they couldn't do that. And by the way, that is an act of grace. Because as they got together, they saw that if man partook of that tree in this fallen state that he was in, he would stay that way. And so by grace, he was driven out. You know, God does things to us that we don't like for our own good, and we find out later that it was. He put them out, and I'm sure they're like, no, 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 you've got to get out. You can't take of this tree, and because of that, they he barred a cherubim or bad dudes. Man, they are bad dudes. They are the sentries of God, and they stood there on honor guard, guarding that so that nothing happened. They're bad, but I want you to get the connection of where we're going with our Revelation chapter two, and the tree of life. Here's the connection: Why were they expelled from the garden? And why was the garden removed from man? Because they disobeyed. They didn't listen to his word. Did what they wanted and it was removed from them. So, but I can hear it. Daryl, I know. I know. But that's Genesis, man. That's Old Testament, dude. You've got to get with the times. You know, we're, we're in the New Testament. Yes, we are. But if the Lord allows us to go on long enough, I am going to try to teach us that from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22, last verse, amen, it's one book with one real author and everything ties. Today we're going to see how Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 ties in with Revelation 22 and it's all the same. God is the same yesterday, today, today and forever, and he does not vary with what he did. Adam and Eve was removed from the garden because they didn't listen to what he said, and they no longer got to eat of that tree of life. So now, speaking of front to back, this book explains the character of God turned to the back, all the way to Revelation 21, all the way back there to Revelation 21, and we're going to tie this in with Genesis 2 and 3. And Revelation chapter 2 verse 7 on this promise that we have. Because the garden of God now is the eternal dwelling place. That's what we're getting ready to see. We're getting ready to see the last part. We're getting ready to see paradise as it's being brought down in chapter 21. And what was, we're going to see that what was expected of Adam and Eve, thou shalt not eat of that tree is the same thing that's expected of you and I if we want to continue eating from the tree of life as we go on from this. And it's my hope to get everybody, including myself and my family, to see these things. Okay. Everyone has free will, though, to do what you want. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Okay. Revelation 21 begins the glorious description of eternity, place where the saints will be forever. And it begins like this. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first one, heaven and earth, has passed away. There also is no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride that was adorned for her husband. And by the way, that means it's beautiful. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, no pain, because the former things have passed away. Praise God and amen. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And then he told me, Write, these words are true and faithful. And God's word is always true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. There's part of your desire. I give it to the one who wants it, who is thirsty for it. Verse 7, he who... What's that word? We're on, we're on track, aren't we? We're still on track. We, we've went from Genesis all the way to Revelation 2, and, and they haven't forgot about it yet. He who overcomes, Nakao, shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So who gets the promise? He who overcomes. We're on that trend. But, and but is a conjunction of contrasts. But is always a conjunction of something contrasting. This one's not a good but. You know how we talk about we like the buts of the Bible? Not this one. But, and it's separating between the overcomer inheriting and the one who doesn't. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But the overcomer, our subject of Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, who we want to be, our text is the person who we're trying to be, isn't it? And we don't want to be the other guy on the other end of this butt here. But it gives a list of qualities that you're going to find that keeps a person out of the garden again. Just like in Genesis 2 and 3, there's a list of qualities there that qualify you for the lake of fire that burns with brimstone. And it's serious business. And it's our choice because verse 6 there says, it's done, it's finished. At this point, done, over, it's locked. Like Adam and Eve, no longer qualified. So we got quite a list there. And one day we might go through those vocabulary words because they will shock you, I'm sure. On what it really has to say when you uncover it. But let's continue then in that contrast. Of who inherits and eats and drinks. And who is looking from the outside. Verse 22. Continues on in chapter 21 with. I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. They're the temple. The city has no need of a sun or a moon to shine in it. Because the glory of God. Illuminates it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are what? Saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory and honor to it. And these gates shall never be shut, because there is no night there, and they shall bring glory and honor of the nations into it. But, here's that word again, a contrast, there shall by no means Enter it anything that defiles, causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So now this city has two things also going for it. Those who are saved and whose name is written in the book of life. Those that are not are those who defiled, abominable, and love a lie. So now, this this book was written and given the vision of John without chapter breaks. So chapter 22 is just a continuation of this. And it says in verse 1, So he showed me then a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was what? Our tree of life. The same thing that started in Genesis 1 when trees were made. Same thing that they were eating of in 2 and 3 is here in 22. You see, it's one author from the front to the back. Same stipulations too. It's in the middle. And it was the tree of life which bore 12 fruits each yielding a fruit in its month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations and there shall be no more curse There's that curse of the earth and the curse of us. It's finally lifted at this point. And then the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And what? His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face. His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night, no need of a lamp or a light of a sun. For the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. Then He said to me, These words are faithful and true and the lord god of the holy prophets has sent his angel to show his servants the things that must shortly take place that's what we read in chapter 1 he wanted these things to be told to his servants that was going to get ready to happen and i john when i heard these things and i saw this angel telling me this man it he just fell down to worshiping him and the angel said to me i like this see that you don't do that I can imagine that angel because you're not supposed to worship anyone but God. And I can see as he gets down to worship him, he knew what happened to Satan when Satan wanted to be the one worshipped. And he's like, woohoo, see that you don't do that, Lord, that wasn't me, that was him. I didn't cause that. You can just see it there. He just said, see that you don't do that. Get up. Get up quickly. And then he said, I am your fellow servant. Of your brethren, the prophets, and... Now get this. And of those who keep the words of this book. Isn't that what he asked of them in the garden? Keep my word. One thing that you're not supposed to do. It hasn't changed. And then he says to me, You worship God. Don't seal the words of the prophecy of this book. For the time is at hand. He who is unjust... What? Let him be unjust still. He who is filthy... Let him be filthy still... That's like those parables. If your attitude is not to follow me, then it's in your own hands. But he who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who wants to be holy, let him be holy still. I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I am the first and the last. Here we go again. It still doesn't change. Verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments. That they might have the right to the tree of life. And enter in through the gates into the city. We just said we wanted to know who that was. Overcomers. Christians who follow. And are blessed. Because they do his commandments. And have the right to the tree. The same thing as Adam and Eve. Same thing as now. If I want to eat of that tree. But outside are dogs, sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify these things to the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the bright and morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, Come, let him who what hears say, Come, let him who thirsts Let him who desires, let them come and drink of the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, that if you add to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away anything that was written in this book, God shall take away your part from the book of life. And from the holy city. And from the things that are written in this book. He who testifies these things. Says. I'm coming quickly. Truly I am. And then he says amen. I mean so be it. Even so. Come Lord Jesus. And may the grace. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with you all. And then it ends with again. Amen. So as. Our worship team comes on up. Remember this book. Is the only one that has the audacity. To start out. With a blessing. If you read it. And do what it says. And it ends with the same blessing. There is no wavering in it. But the thing is. Let's review real quick about this overcomer that we want to be that has the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the garden of God. If we want to be a nakao, if we want to be that victor, then we believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and then we follow His Word. That's what it says. We desire to be fed from that Word and follow it. If you love me, keep my commandments. So the overcomer is one who trusts in Jesus Christ to remove his sins because all have sinned and come short of the glory of the God. The only thing that separates us inside eating and those outside is trusting in him and walking in his light and doing what he asks. Because look now at this last slide, John 1 5 through 9. Believing in Christ is the start of our journey. What happens each day? I sin every day. But what separates me from the ones outside? This is the message that we have heard from Him. And we declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. It marches on, don't it? But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. And if we say that we have no sin, in other words, we say, oh, I I walk good enough. No, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What separates me from being outside with all of those lists? The blood of Christ. When I walk with Him, when my desire, every part of this is about a desire for who you serve. He knows we're going to fall. He knows we're going to sin. He knows we're not perfect. That's why He died for every sin that we will ever commit. Even the ones you're going to commit next week. The Lord wills. He's already died for that. But what separates it is my desire for who I serve and how I want to be. And it's do I trust in him daily? Do I ask him to forgive me when I fall? Or do I say, I can just keep on going on my way? That's what separates us. I don't know about you, but I want to follow him. I want to partake of that tree of life that's in the paradise of God for eternity with a God who loved me enough to send His Son for me and to die for me. And I want to have that fellowship with Him now in this walk and I want to have that fellowship for eternity when I get to see Him face to face and eat with Him in that garden. This is written for us, folks. This is what front to back of Revelation it said He wants to show the church, His servants, what He wants us to know. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has said to the churches. Let's pray. Father, we have pretty much done nothing today but read your word. And holy and divine is it. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for revealing to us what you want us to know so that we can have that fellowship with you. And we praise You and we give You honor and glory as we try to walk our life in Your Son, Jesus Christ, in the light of His Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.